Hey, everyone, and welcome to the Just Get Started podcast. I'm your host, Brian Andreco, and thanks for listening in on another episode. Or if this is your first time stopping by, I'm grateful to have you. This podcast is all about the getting started moments, the turning points that got each guest started on a new path toward happiness, the ups and downs of the journey, how they were able to commit to a change, and all the lessons learned along the way. I hope you all enjoyed this particular episode, so let's jump right in and get it started. On this week's episode, I welcome in Simon Drew, who is an Australian poet, author, musician, photographer, and philosophical mentor. He has a Bachelor of Music from the Queensland Conservatorium of Music and is currently studying for a Master of Divinity. He is most well-known for his work with the Practical Stoic Podcast, which has since evolved into Walled Garden, a podcast and online community where he, Kai Whitting, who is a British philosopher, and Sharon LaBelle, an American writer, explore a wide range of topics regarding philosophy, beliefs, ideas, and creativity. Simon's poetry, music, and writings often play in the realms of mysticism, prophecy, mythology, and wisdom, bringing the deepest insights of his consciousness to light in search of answers to life's most fundamental questions. His first book, The Poet and the Sage, is currently available in hardcover or online at thewalledgarden.com. And I had a fantastic conversation with Simon. We talked a lot about his getting started moments, talked a lot about stoicism and how that has evolved and shaped his life as well as mine. So I hope you all enjoy this conversation I had with Simon. And without further ado, please welcome in Simon Drew. Simon, awesome to have you on the podcast, man. Thanks for waking up this morning. I know you're, uh, you're over across the world, so uh, thanks for being here. Yeah, man, Brian, it's great to be here. And uh, and listen, this is this is not even you know the worst of it in terms of getting up early. Like I, I often have clients at like five a.m. Um, I'll do interviews at five a.m. So this is seven o'clock for me right now, which is actually kind of perfect. Yeah, yeah, this is this <laughs> is great. great. Well, and it's always fun too. You know what I love about doing the podcast, and we'll get into this. I know you podcast as well, but just you meet so many folks. I know we got connected through a mutual uh, connection, but it's like we probably would have never met most likely. Right. I mean, you're on the other side of the world, you're doing a lot of different yeah. stuff. So it's just kind of fun to be able to actually have the technology and kind of luxury to be able to do this uh, with one another. So again, welcome. It's quite um, insane. Yeah. It's quite insane that we get to do this. And uh, yeah, you're right. I mean, like I've, I've certainly noticed as I've done my podcast, just the amount of incredible, beautiful people who have come into my life uh, from all around the world. I mean, even even with my you know philosophical mentoring, I mean, I've I've coached people now from over fifteen countries. It must be, and and that's just crazy that I get to do that. Yeah. And 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 I I think you're right. It's just it's such a it, it's such a blessing of our modern age that we get to do this and to take full advantage of that is is probably a good idea. Hey, yeah, absolutely. Well, and that's actually one of you know I've been fortunate. I've been doing this podcast for you know over four years now, yeah. and. I've been fortunate where I have a lot of folks that will reach out to be on the podcast. Wasn't always that way. You know, I was doing a lot of the outreach mm. early on, um, which is really nice. But one of the things that kind of sparked me to say, hey, I really want you on this podcast, uh, a few different things. But one of the big ones is, is around philosophy, um, because I started to, you know, as I've made a lot of changes in my life over the last, call it, I don't know, five, six years, maybe even close to eight or nine years, um, philosophy and and try and, and definitely stoicism but just the whole general idea of thinking differently 
and being in control of my emotions and my thoughts and, and kind of what I want to do. Um, I think that's been really valuable. So when, when I saw like, Hey, this is something you're passionate about, you're trying to do, I was like, Oh man, we, there's, there's a good connection here. There's some, um, there's some paths crossing here. So let's have that discussion. And it was kind of yeah. funny too. And maybe this is a good kickoff point. I was going to start somewhere else, by the way, but right before we jumped on where you were showing me the tattoo that you have, and I said, oh, I'm actually thinking giving actually the same thing. And maybe you want to share that with everyone, what it says, and then what the meaning is behind it. Uh, because I think that's something that's really valuable in terms of a way of thinking about uh, life and even getting started, right, is the, the framing sure. of this podcast. Yeah, well, I, I mean, I, I guess I'll, I'll share both tattoos just because they both uh, come from the Stoic tradition, or at least they are um, kind of synonymous with the the the, the uh, Stoic tradition. So we've got on one arm, I've got uh, Memento Mori, uh, which basically is Latin for remember death. Uh, and then on the other arm, I've got Amor Fati, which is, is Latin for uh, love your fate. And so uh, I, I guess... You know, when it comes to remember death, memento mori, that's an idea that I think has really deep roots uh, in the Stoic philosophy because the Stoics were so uh, focused on death in their philosophy. They really wanted us to constantly remind ourselves, remind ourselves, we are going to die. This is a mortal existence, right? Uh, Seneca spoke so beautifully on death. You know, he, he reminded us that death is not simply an event that happens at the end of our life. No, the death is a process that we are constantly every day going through. Every moment that you're alive is a moment that you are closer moving towards your death, right? And yeah. so, um, now there's, there's a lot, uh, of profound ideas that are connected to that, that idea of remember your death, right. But on its, on the base, you might say, okay, well, remember that you're a mortal being, remember that you don't necessarily have all the time in the world. Well, how could you live most fully in this moment? And then I guess a fati, meaning love your fate. That's another one that, uh, you, you can kind of think, okay, well, it's, a, it's sort of like a simple idea, but it's also extremely profound, right? It basically means whatever comes toward you in your life, act as if it could be good if you interacted with it in the right way. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, uh, when, when, when you have certain blows in life, you know, certain trials that you're going through, certain challenges that you're up against, uh, look for the seed of benefit or the seed of growth within those challenges and, and act as if they could be good for you. Love, you know, what, what do you do when you love something? You, you, you know, you, you have a, a, a beautiful disposition towards it. You're, you're, you're happy to be around it. And so we find this great analogy in stoicism that, that Epictetus gives us of the dog in the cart. And he points out that life is kind of like you're, you're the dog and there's a cart. The cart is fate or the eternal cause and effect of life that's just dragging you along. And I mean, you, you have a choice to either be dragged along by that cart mm -hmm. or you can actually get up and walk along merrily with it, you know, and, and that's really the, the only choices that we have. Um, and so uh, that's kind of love your fate is, is, is love the, uh, the, 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 the presentation of, of, of what's happening in your life around you so that you're ready to respond to it correctly and in the most effective way. Well, and you know, what's interesting about that too, is 
and partly this, I, I think, is we have an idea of what we want, but necessarily just because it doesn't work out doesn't mean that wasn't the right path. Again, going back to what you said, if you have some gratitude, if you have some optimism, if you have a perspective on it that, hey, you know what, it's going to turn out good as long as I am positive, as long as I look at this as an opportunity. You know, I, I go back to, and, and there, you, I bet you can cite a dozen examples as well. Uh, well. I was actually thinking about this today. I randomly, this is so random, but I was listening to Morgan um, Housel was recently on Tim Ferriss show. And he was talking about these couple serendipitous moments of you know, the, he wouldn't be doing what he's, you know, he, he published the very widely popular book, Psychology of Money. And he wouldn't probably have done that if he didn't start writing at Motley Fool, which he wouldn't have started to do if he didn't randomly reach out to this guy about having some typo in an article or something. And it got me thinking like, you know, one of my mentors in life right now, Rob, um, he was a co-founder. Well, him and his wife founded um, a software company. But the only reason I work for them is because two weeks prior, I got laid off from another company that was closing the, the office here in Raleigh. And through a connection I had in college, I happened to interviewed and they hired me. And sure enough, you know, now we're, what, seven, eight years later since that event, and, and here we are, he's, he's been monumental in my entrepreneurial journey. So it's just funny how bad things that happen that we don't sign up for, we don't want, all of a sudden can turn into really good things if we have that perspective. So that's a long winded story. Yeah. But, you know, I think it goes back to what you're mentioned about kind of just almost enjoy the fate that you're given and, and try to do the best you can with it. Yeah, yeah, no, I think I think you're exactly right. And, um, I think that there's also there's there's a deeply um, well there's a deep intuition that people have that there's something right about that idea, and and I have a sense that actually comes from a lot of our uh, religious heritage because there is look that if you're saying love your fate, you might not think that you're necessarily. Um, <laughs> many of us don't even know what fate means when we say something like that, mm-hmm. you know? And so, but, but, but we still say, oh, yes, yeah, something right about that day. Love your fate, love the things that happen to you. You know, you can approach them in a different way. But I always thought, you know, when, when I started thinking deeply about this idea, I remembered back to my upbringing in, in church and there was something that they always taught me, which was, you know, basically follow God's plan for you, you know, or, or love God's plan for you. And, there's really not much difference between saying love God's plan for you or love your fate. You know, it's, it's basically the same thing. It's, and so there's, there's a, there's a deep uh, theological aspect to this as well. Um, But it it is just that idea of, you know, just step back and and stop getting so bogged down in your uh, disapproval of what life is throwing your way. And, and as you open your mind to the possibilities of these moments, uh, you just never know what you're going to find that could be of extreme benefit to you uh, in, in, in your life. And so you, you kind of have to take a leap of faith and, and, you know, get in the game and see what happens when you start facing life in that way. Yeah. Was there, you, you mentioned kind of some of your religious upbringing did, was that the trigger? Because philosophy is an interesting thing. Like I, as I mentioned, I literally just started within the last handful of years thinking about 
philosophy and philosophical practice, if, if you will, if that's a thing. Mm. Um, but you know, like, like not the, you know, the, what is the meeting of life type stuff and thinking of all these type of things that, um, I never thought about in the prior, you know, call it 30 years of my life. So was there a time, like, do you remember a point when it really clicked in that, wow, this is something different? Like, and you started to focus on it more? Yeah, I mean, I I genuinely believe that a lot of the, um, the excitement around philosophy, particularly something like Stoicism, because it's not very often that you see so many people in the world flocking to a particular school of philosophy right like this is we really see that like stoicism is everywhere today you know everybody knows about stoicism it's it's becoming more and more uh, popular as a as a, a philosophical uh, path for people's lives but i i genuinely believe that that is in response to the general uh, exodus away from religious organizations right i think that people are filling the uh, you might say the God-shaped hole in their hearts with a a philosophy, and and a lot of people, including myself, when I started out, believed that a, a philosophy like Stoicism is uh, godless, or um, it, it even doesn't even need to have uh, uh, this idea of God or any sort of. Um, uh, it, of course, it may have to ask, what do you even mean by God, right? But in Stoicism, it's interesting that it's it's a philosophy that does have the very practical wisdom for your life. And so people can enter this philosophy as I did at the start, seeing it as a personal development path. And and that's the beautiful thing about the virtue ethics framework is that it teaches you to walk on the path of progress towards a more meaningful life, really trying to be an excellent human being. So you can do that. And I don't think you need the idea of God in there uh, to, to at least begin on that path. But, the deeper you go into these philosophies, the more you realize that all of the major proponents of Stoicism talked at one stage or another, or a lot, about God and about piety and about our need to uh, respect the religious traditions of the time. We don't necessarily be, need to be pulled into their dogma, but but we should have a certain amount of respect and piety towards uh, towards those traditions. So. I think it's interesting. Hey, I think a lot of people are searching for a deeper and more meaningful experience with their lives. Uh, and whether they get it through philosophy or religion uh, is not necessarily as important to me as the fact that they're getting that experience of, of a deeper experience in life. Yeah. One of the things with, with stoicism that, again, that really kind of shine the light on about having control of, you know, you may not be able to control the situation, but you can control your reaction to it. You know, I try to teach this to my son um, at his age and just the idea that you might not like everything that happens. You might not be able to, to you know, make it what you want, but you can control if you're angry or upset or, you know, how you, how you maybe talk to someone, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so that's kind of what drew me in early on. Actually, it's funny. I mentioned Tim Ferriss earlier. He was actually, I think, the one that where he, he wrote the Tao of Seneca um, that he put out, I think for free many years ago, I think that's where my first, um, kind of, um, I guess you could say path to, to stoicism was, but, uh, do you find that when, when you're working with folks early on, I, cause I can imagine this, a lot of this can become 
you know, oh, it's kind of, you know, up behind the sky type stuff and these kind of, you know, weird kind of thoughts and whatever. Like, do you find that you get a lot of pushback from folks when you start talking about stoicism and some of these, you know, belief systems or some of these, um, I guess you could say thoughts, um, like, like the whole thing of, hey, remember death. You know, to some folks, it's like, that's eh, a little bit, you know, I don't know, it's kind of odd. I'm thinking about death every day. Wait a minute, you know, but the reality is you're not actually thinking about it every day. But it's kind of there from a thought of, okay, I know it's going to come at some point. I want to act like, you know, I, I need to be, I need to be myself. I need to kind of put myself out there. I need to, this is how I think about it, by the way. And I, I know I'm rambling here, but it's, it's yeah. kind of this thought of like, I have to put my best foot forward each day because I don't know how many days I have left. And it's kind of yeah. like, if I just kind of crawl along, which I felt I did for a long time, you it's not about accomplishing a ton of stuff. I think it's about putting, I like to look at it as like putting kindness out in the world, putting positivity out in the world. You could do that every day, but are you doing it right? Are you making that choice? Mm -hmm. So I'm curious, again, when you start working with folks, do you find that, is that a big thing for them to um, get over and, and re kind of train themselves? Yeah. I, I don't know, you know, because look, we all live in our own little bubbles here. And so, uh, my bubble tends to be, uh, well, people listen to my podcast, they start to build a relationship with me from the get-go because you can't help building a relationship in your mind with the person who you're listening to on a regular basis. Like You right. get to know them almost intimately, especially if the speaker is sharing uh, you know, the depths of who they are. Um, and so when my students come to me in my philosophical mentoring uh, practice, you know, they'll, they'll come to me already kind of knowing a little bit about who I am and um, and they already know a little bit about the philosophy of stoicism. And so they're kind of already primed to be ready to, to see those results in their life. Uh, but to that point, I, I think what I try to do with people is to meet them where they're at. Because some of my, uh, my students or my clients, you know, they will just want some really practical advice for their lives. And so I will just spend time with them uh, working out some very practical goals. How can we get from here to there? Uh, what are going to be some of the challenges? How can we overcome those challenges? Um, you know, just keeping it very uh, down to earth, you know, but then some of my, my clients will really want to explore uh, some of the deeper aspects of the philosophy and, and really dive into, okay, well, why are we meditating on death? Why are we loving our fate? You know, uh, what do the Stoics talk about when they when when they mean? What do they mean when they say God? Things like this, and and I will, you know, try to be that person for that for 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 the, these people who want to go a little bit deeper. Um, but all the while, I think what has uh, been helpful for my clients and perhaps even my listeners is that I approach this whole process of doing philosophy as a practitioner first and as somebody who needs this philosophy first, uh, not particularly Stoicism because I'm, I'm very interested in exploring my, many philosophies, but Stoicism has been the foundation for me. And I'll share this with you. There's a, there's a really beautiful quote from Seneca, which I pretty much base my entire coaching or mentoring method around. He, he pretty much says, listen, don't, think that I am here thinking I'm perfect and I'm imparting all this wisdom on you and you need to be like me and you know uh, uh, like I'm just telling you what to do in your life no Seneca says think of me as if I'm a fellow sick person right 
in the same hospital as you talking to you about some remedies that have worked for me that might also work for you. So with all of my clients or even on the podcast, I try to make it clear to people that I'm walking this path of philosophical, philosophical progress. Uh, and if you want to come along with me, then we share that, that road together. And, and perhaps I've learned some things that you haven't learned yet. I'll share them with you. Perhaps you've learned some things. I, I never work with a client who doesn't at the same time as we're conversing, really teach me something about how to live a better life or, Mm -hmm. or, or teach me about what it means to be truly human. And that's, that's, I guess, just such a beautiful element of what I do. I, I, I'm so grateful for that. Uh, so yeah, I, I try to meet people where they're at. And I think that that's, that's been helpful for people so far. Yeah, that's a good point. I, I, it, when you were saying that, it kind of reminded me of the just get started podcast. It's like, you know, certainly there's folks I can talk to that, have, you know, run these, you know, multi-successful businesses for 30, 40 years or being famous or whatever. But it's actually the the folks I enjoy talking with are folks that are, they're kind of, they're getting started or they've been started, but it's not like, you know, I always use Oprah as the example, just because I joke around this because I used to watch Oprah with my grandmother. It was one of my favorite mm-hmm. things to do when I was like 10. Um, but like, you know, Oprah is so way in the stratosphere of what almost anyone will ever get to. Uh, but it's like, hey, if you know, you and I, we've started various things, we're, but we're failing every day, we're trying, we're testing, we're tasting, we're learning. And having that back and forth is really valuable, whether it's someone just listening in or a conversation we have, because some people have started with their own things. And maybe they're, you know, quote unquote, further ahead or behind, but that's based on their journey, not ours, you know, so we can always learn from other people of what they're doing. Um, So anyways, it's kind of interesting. I like that philosophy on it of Seneca um, and, uh, and being able to actually, you know, almost be where they are, if you will. So that's a a nice way to put it. I think it's important because even, even if we find somebody who we want to learn from and we think, you know, wow, look at them, you know, they've got this successful business, you know, they've got this great family, you know, they're making a lot of money that they're doing a lot of cool things in their life. It's like, you don't know that person intimately and they might be going through some of the biggest challenges. You know, you could even, you couldn't even imagine the challenges that they're going through, but because they don't share it with you, you don't see it. And so you think that they're just this person who uh, is completely apart from the general terrors of human, human life. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, But that's just not the case. Everybody is struggling. You know, everybody is trying to make progress in life. Everybody has, a direction that they're trying to go and, and they're, 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 you know, going through hurdles along that way. And I think that we, when we open ourselves to people in, in a way, not from any sort of authority, but from a mutual shared path of growth and, and wanting to make progress in life, I think it puts people at ease and it certainly put my clients at ease. It certainly, um, you know, it, what it means is that when we're talking to each other, there's no, uh, I'm the expert here and this is exactly what you should do. No, it's two people talking about life and how we can get, get better at living it. And the great thing about that is that kind of matches the same sort of discussion that you might have with a very close friend of yours, after which you, you just feel like, wow, that was a conversation where I felt energized afterwards. You know, we talked about life, how to, how to be better or, you know, struggles that we're going through, uh, opportunities that we're pursuing. 
you know, it opens us to a a deeper connection in the dialogue. And, and I think that that is so vital for any sort of therapeutic yeah. mentoring is that we need to know that we're both on this path together. So you share your wisdom with me and I'll receive that and I'll share my wisdom with you. And, and perhaps at the end, we're both stronger and better for it. Well, and I think that goes to the, you know, and this is one of the things actually with, with, some of the stuff I do with my, you know, just get started mission is, you know, kind of, you only can discover happiness once you discover yourself and it's about what you need it. So to your example, yes, yeah, someone might be running an ultra successful business or doing whatever. That doesn't mean that's what you want. It doesn't mean that's what you need to sign up for. So what are the things you actually want to do? And then you could, you could take some examples from them maybe, right. But it doesn't mean you have to like, Oh my God, they're like the greatest thing. Well, no, the, it might not be something you want to do at all. I, I like to yeah. use the fitness example a ton. Is like, I don't know if you do CrossFit. I'm a big into, into CrossFit, but it's yeah, like, I saw that on you. yeah, yeah. So it's like you know, with CrossFit, there's so many different kind of movements in there. But the reason I, I think that example is kind of apropos here is I might because I'm tall. You know, I'm like almost six three. So rowing the you know using on the rower is a, not easy, but I can really do well on it. But yet you go to, you know, kind of another exercise um, where I'm not that good at. So I can still though pump up and, and, and prop up and congratulate, you know, my peer that might be great at that move and vice versa. So it's not like we're competing, quote unquote, but it's that we're there to support one another. I think this is where the, you know, if you look at the best relationships you have in your life, because I've had some bad relationships too, but you look at your best ones, they're all based on love, respect, and support. And there's probably other things too. But like, if you look at that, right, they're supportive people, they they really care about you. Um, they respect what you're doing. And it's a it's a peer to peer discussion versus to your point earlier, where I'm the expert, and I'm always talking down, we've all been in those relationships, right? Those yeah. aren't good. Yeah. Um, and it's even like, even I, I've noticed with the greatest mentors that I've had, they make you feel like you're one, like you're equal. It's not always yeah. them giving you advice, but they're asking questions. They're sharing failures. They're kind of walking through examples and, and they're asking you for help too. So it's kind of a, I don't know, it's, it's really interesting when you start, you know, peeling back the onion layers on great relationships. It all goes back to mutual respect and being on the same yeah. page versus uh, the opposite, obviously, you know? Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. I, I think um, there's something that you're saying, you're saying that it, man, a lot of what you're saying that makes a lot of sense to me, especially that idea that we all have these individual unique natures that if we, um, if we were to do what we do best, you know, then we can fit into the, to, to, to the, well, what does my friend Sharon LaBelle say? She says, uh, we need to learn how to sit in our seat in the theater of life. You know, mm -hmm. uh, there's a spot for us if we will, if we will sit in it. But what I want to also say is, uh, so one of my mentors and, and co-founders of the walled garden is uh, Kai Whiting. And, and he said something very interesting to me, which is that when, when you're seeking out uh, people to work with in the professional space, they need to feel as though you are a, a, a colleague, somebody with whom they can speak across mm -hmm. the, the aisle, you know, not necessarily somebody, uh, uh, maybe down the ranks. Now he's thinking of, of it from a very kind of Machiavellian, you know, let's just look at what reality is like. Real, reality is that there are some people who, hold, who are higher on in, in the professional rung than you are. 
Yeah. You know, that's that's just a fact. Okay, now what's going to get them to be interested in working with you, mentoring you, doing things with you? Well, they need to see that, you know, you're kind of, you, you're, you're already at that position where they are. Now, the thing is, I think that there are things that we can do to better present ourselves when we're networking with people and wanting to work with people or get mentored by people. Uh, there are things that we can do to uh, put ourselves in a better position so that they see that we are, you know, we're really making progress in whatever profession you're, you're in and, and you're ready to be working with a person like that. But then to your point as well, there are some people who really know how to offer the hand of support to people who are perhaps below them on that professional rung and to welcome them up that ladder, you know, uh, yeah, and, and I think that when, when, when a person who knows how to offer that support meets a person who is clearly showing that they're willing to rise and they're willing to be up for the challenge. Yeah. I found that all throughout doing my podcast and, and, and following the path that I'm on is that there are people who will be so glad to help you if they can see that you're taking things with a certain degree of seriousness mm -hmm. and that you really want to make progress towards perhaps a position where they're at. Um, and, and what I'm now finding is that I think I'm in, the, the, you know, we, we all go through these professional seasons but the season that I'm in is very interesting because I've been doing that for a long time now, which is is reaching out to people and and offering my hand and they're offering their hands. And now I'm at the place where there are people who want to work with me and I really want to work with them. People who four or five years ago, I could never have just said, hey, do you want to do something together? Do you want to work yeah. together? But now they're like, yeah, let me in, let's go. Uh, and so... I think if you can build that reputation amongst people within your profession or just people in general, you will be surrounded by so many beautiful people who want to help you and work with you and you can help them and work with them. And man, that's, that's what humanity is all about, right? You know, building those connections, those relationships and, and rising together. Yeah. That's a lot of great, a lot of great points there. It's kind of the giver mentality, you know, yeah. Um, you know, there's givers and takers and then there's, what was the, I'm trying to remember, I just read Anna Grant's book, Giver, Give and Take. I'm trying to remember the middle pure, the middle, um, I can't remember what it is, but anyways, it's, um, the, but like if the, a lot of the folks you're talking about are givers, right? You and I are probably on the giver category where it's like, I'm giving all the time. Cause one, I just enjoy doing it. Right. Um, but at the same time, again, it, I think also too, this comes down to perspective and, and I wonder now as I think back, like, is it because of my changing viewpoints, especially with philosophy um, over the last, you know, you know, half a dozen years, realizing like, I wouldn't be where I'm at, but where I am, if there weren't thousands of other people that helped me along the way, whether it's you being on this podcast, or Again, I, I mentioned, you know, my mentor, Robin, of being hiring me there or something happened, you know, where people will like give you help and, and push you and, and help you along the way. And it's just returning that favor. It's like paying it forward. Right. And I think that's what yeah. the folks you talk about kind of, you know, helping pull up the support ladder, if you will, is really they're just paying it forward because they knew all the people that helped them before them. Yeah. And again, it's your, if that's the type of person you are, it's surrounding yourself with those people. And I think that's what makes a great ecosystem, a great circle um, as we get older. Because I don't know about you, I've been, it's something I've been searching for for the last many, you know, several years of getting better circles around me. 
you know, yeah. it's the, the popular term nowadays, the tribe, but whatever, like getting whatever you want to call it, right? Getting um, just people that are, again, love you, support you, respect you, want to uh, kind of do the same things you want to do. But how important that is to have those support systems around you. Um, and they come in all yeah. different, you know, um, types of relationships, if you will. Yeah, I, I think you're exactly right. And and you're right when you say it's it's a support system. And we, it, you kind of have to figure that out along the way, right? You have to pay very close attention to who are the people who are, like you say, in, in my tribe, you know, who, who are the people who, well, it's, it's funny, you know, you kind of have to gain a little bit of self-knowledge, I think to really walk that path and mm-hmm. to really find that tribe, you really need to understand who you are. And when you do that, you'll start meeting people who even like, like I've met a few people in the past, I would say two months, one person in particular, I'll tell you one person in particular. Um, I met this person, they have a podcast, a, a beautiful poet um, from Australia. And uh, before I went on his podcast, he sent me uh, some poetry to listen to that, that he wrote. Now I listen to this poetry and I'm thinking, oh my gosh, he's writing all of the same symbolism and archetypes and metaphors that, that I'm using in my poetry. I say I'm using, you know, it's, it's flowing out of me in my poetry, you know, because it's, it's certainly not a process of like, I'm thinking this and I want to write this because a lot of my poetry, I don't even understand fully yet, you know, because it, it's yeah. such uh, strange esoteric stuff. But when I met him on the show, we had this conversation and by the end, you know, you know, now we've had uh, must be six conversations uh, one-on-one just talking with each other. And it, it was, it was, he was the kind of person who, as soon as we started talking, we both knew each other. Right. And yeah. once you know yourself, once you know what and who you are, you will find people like that who immediately you click and you think, wow, we've got to work together. We've got to do something together because yeah. there's so much connection there. And I think um, uh, that's, it's such a beautiful point that you get to where, you start really building some deep connections with people who, yeah, really are in that tribe because you 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 understand deeply what the other person is aiming at. You might say, yeah, you know? and, you, and I've started to realize more recently is like, let basically less people, deeper conversations. Like in the past, it was yeah, always totally. like, oh, the more people that like me, that means whatever, you know. But it's like, no, I'd actually rather have less people. It's kind of like uh, Kevin Kelly's A Thousand True Fans. It's like, I want to have, I'd rather have a small group of people that really love what I'm doing or what I'm about and, and really know who I am. Um, that that means more to me than anything. It's not about having mm-hmm. millions of people kind of shouting your name because who cares, you know? Mm-hmm. So I think there's, I think there's some benefit of knowing who you are and then you can start kind of seeing those folks. And, and to your point, you get in that conversation, it's like, click like okay this is working out because i know who i am now i don't have to fake it anymore just to have someone like me i'm going to be who i am and the other person if they like me i'm going to know it pretty quick if they don't no hard feelings doesn't mean i don't respect them but maybe not the best fit or you know we might not work together or whatever so i think knowing that really helps yeah. um by the way there's, you, there's a full yeah sorry oh, go, go ahead no go ahead well, there's a full range of human uh, human types, right? Like, and and people are going; they're naturally going to fall into, uh, you know, fall towards the people who they most resonate with. And perhaps there's some weakness in that. Perhaps there's some strength. But 
I think that it's necessary for us to, uh, you know, form our communities, you might say. Perhaps tribe has a little bit of a negative connotation seeing as we're becoming so tribalistic in our modern time, but community is way better. Community means uh, uh, mutual sharing of information and wisdom and mutual uh, caretaking and um, coming together to really uh, form meaningful bonds. And you mentioned uh, that you've been thinking, uh, yeah, I want to deepen those relationships rather than just have more people. And I'll run an idea past you because I think for the past few months, I've found myself wanting less and less to actually reach out to more people to have them on my podcast. And I've been finding myself thinking, why don't I just pick like the 10 to 12 people who I love talking to, like who, not that I don't love talking to all of my guests, but the people who I, I have a real deep connection with, mm-hmm. uh, who I, I, I really think are on the same sort of path that I'm on and say, let's have like six conversations, you know, like let's, let's go deep. I want to find out a lot about you and I really want to know what you have to teach me, not in one interview to promote your book, not in one interview to, you know, promote whatever. No, like let's go deep and, and really figure out some things here. And so I think that's the direction that I'm heading um, is similar to, to what you were kind of saying there is I, I think I, I'm now looking to build my community around and the podcast around building deeper and deeper relationships with people and having multiple conversations so that we can actually get to know each other. And I think that, that, that that's, that's a beautiful experience, you know, yeah. when, when we open ourselves to uh, just the, going beyond the surface level, I guess. It's funny you say that. Cause I actually, I've, and I've launched them recently, but I went back, you know, as I was getting over 200 episodes, I launched, I went back and I said, okay, what are, who are some of the guests I really enjoy? Maybe I have a personal connection with whatever. So I've launched some of those recently and I have some more coming out, but yeah, to to your point, Mm -hmm. it's like, I want to have some deeper conversations. I want to bring that even, even bring folks on that. I know, you know, it's, it's funny. It kind of ties back into what you mentioned earlier is like, you want to support people that you know are not just taking your advice, but you're seeing them continuing to live their ethos. They're continuing to kind of grow and shape themselves and change for the better. And so yeah. I've even reached out to a lot of folks that I not only enjoyed talking with in the past, but I see them from the from the distance. Oh, wow, look, this is what they were doing two years ago. Look how they've changed their life for the better and continuing to mm. change come back and share that story as well. Like we're, we always evolve, right? You and I are not the same as we were a year ago, probably, or two years yeah. or definitely five years. Right. So how five does minutes? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Seriously. So yeah. how does that, how does that shift, you know, change us, but then also change what we give to the world because it's, we're not live just living in a bubble by ourselves, right? We're out there. So we're sharing this knowledge that we have today well, that's different than what we had four or five years ago. So I think that's really yeah. important is that by being able to share that message that we have. And again, if it's in a line with, um, you know, what other people, that community you mentioned, it's a win-win for everyone. You know, yeah. I, I definitely think that. Yeah, um, you, that. You, you said something earlier, actually, but it made me think, I think, to, well, not for you anymore, because you're in tomorrow, but technically today is World Poetry Day, I think, March oh, 21st. Yeah, I believe okay. I saw that. I think that's a day. I don't know. We have these like every day. There's something new. Um, there's like a day. Yeah, that's day. the day that nobody cares about. Come on. <laughs> yeah. Well, no. So it's, well, it's interesting because I actually wanted to ask you about uh, just poetry in general, writing, because it's something I, 
I'm not a poet. I do my children's book. I rhyme in those. That's about my my extent of poetry, maybe. But I do actually try to script some stuff down. But I do a lot of short microblogs and those type of things, which I which I think there's some similarity and parallels to poetry. But I'm curious of how did you get into poetry? Well, why do you do it? Like, what's kind of the benefit to you um, around yeah. that? Because that's that's interesting to me for sure. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think I would just. Uh... Uh, change something slightly that you said there you know did I get into poetry or did poetry get into me I know that's the cheesiest <laughs> thing I could possibly say right that's I, a fair I point though I, I know but I understand how, how uh, cheesy that is but it's funny my my dad is actually a beautiful poet he's he's a real wordsmith and uh and he writes poems about all the family members and I understand why it's within me as, as a human being just within my nature mm. but growing up I never really liked poetry. I never read any anything. I, I, I never focused on it. I never wrote anything. Um, I always knew that I wanted to write a book. And when I started writing a book, uh, I thought I was going to write, you know, some sort of personal development book or a book about stoicism. Uh, and then what ended up coming out in the writing process was, uh, well, I'll tell you, uh, I'll tell you a brief, brief story here. So, the, the birth of the poet and the sage, uh, which is the, as you know, the book of poetry and prose that I've just released, it actually started with like a waking dream that I kind of had. And I wrote down this waking dream thinking, this is very strange. Hmm, interesting. It was like very imagistic and uh, symbolic and, uh, and a lot of uh, strange, a lot of strangeness there. And when I ended up writing this down, <clears throat> I thought, who do I share this with? I don't know what to make of this. It's very weird. And I took it to my mentor, uh, Sharon LaBelle, who is now one of the co-founders of, of the walled garden community that we're putting together. Now, Sharon really knows art. She knows literature. She knows poetry. She knows uh, Jungian psychology. So she really um, could see a lot of the images that were coming out in this, in this, strange waking dream and she basically just said this is weird but you've got to keep on writing this please and so she encouraged me and uh I just kept on writing and what ended up coming out more and more was poetry and prose and that was very strange to me because uh I had never really wrote, written any poetry uh aside from a couple of silly ones when I was a kid and now all of a sudden there's this very strange stuff coming out. And so that's why I say, you know, uh, well, I write on the website, I write, I'm a philosopher by heart. I'm a poet by calling and I'm a musician in my being philosopher in my heart, because I'm always pulled towards asking deeper questions in life and inviting people in on that adventure with me mm -hmm. poet by calling, because I did not choose to write poetry. Now I made the choice to allow myself to be the channel through which that uh, that that poetry will flow, uh, but I didn't go into writing the poet and the sage or the you know 250 poems I've written since uh, by saying I'm going to be a poet. I'm not asserting my will on my life. I'm I'm saying okay, this is just what I am. I know it because it it's what flows through most naturally. And then a musician in my being, simply because since a young age I've been playing instruments and uh, always been very musical, and that's that's who I am, you know? So, um, that's how I came into poetry or poetry came into me or <laughs> that's, uh, and that's where we are now. How did you, the, the book structure, how, cause obviously you just woke up and you had this dream and you started kind of writing. How did you decide 
how you were going to structure the book, what was going to kind of be the the inner workings, if you will, of of outlining it and making it kind of flow. Yeah. What's interesting about it is I, I think I usually write, well, I simply write whatever is coming to me at that moment, you know, and I try to allow that process to happen. And what will then happen is usually the pieces will come together like a puzzle. Oh, that's interesting. That looks like it actually goes here. Or that's interesting. That actually looks like it goes here. A lot of it will be, uh, it will flow naturally uh, from, from start to finish. But uh, one example is there's a poem at the very start of the poet and the sage. And then there's a poem at the very end of the poet and the sage that I actually wrote together. Both of those poems I wrote together one after the other. And I wrote them separately to the poet and the sage. But when I looked at them, I thought, wow, that has to go at the start of the poet and the sage. And that has to go. I had to split those, that poem, uh, that those two poems. And it makes perfect sense when you see them in the poet and the sage. But, but nonetheless, I didn't write them for the poet and the sage. But, mm. you know, it was just a, it was kind of this after moment where I was thinking, yeah, that's that that needs to go there. So um, it's it's fun, you know. It's the it's the artistic process, which is uh, it, which is often extremely chaotic, but comes together at the last moment. You might say. How I gotta ask, how many times did you question even writing it when you start writing? Where you're like, I'm not gonna put this out. Did you? Do you have any yeah. of those moments? <laughs> I still question it. <laughs> it's like because it's weird, you know. Like a lot of a lot of the. Uh, I still have fun trying to put the pieces together in this book. Now, people might think, well, you've released this book. What, you don't know what it's about or you, do, what, you, you don't know how it all fits together? No, it, it fits together as it is. And there is, uh, you know, there's, there's a, a real profound nature to this book. Uh, but, but still, what often happens with artists or creatives or poets is that the art or the the narrative or the poetry is actually ahead of our ability to fully comprehend or articulate it. So that's why I say, you know, I, I mentioned that poet from Australia who I spoke to recently. I read him one of my poems as he was interviewing me. And he said, you know, you've put the fig and the vine in that poem there. I, I see you've done it. And he has a much deeper knowledge of these symbols than I do. Uh, he studied this for a long time. And he said, do you know why you put the fig and the vine in there? And and deep down, I have to have some understanding of why it's in there, you know, even if I can't articulate, because it came, came out through the poetry. But I said, I don't really know. And he said, okay, so the fig represents fertility. That's the symbol. You see this in all of these sacred texts and ancient religious texts and stuff like that. And, and then the vine represents the vine that travels from the branches of the tree of life right down to the bottom and carries information up and down. And I'm thinking... Makes sense. Okay. Okay. Now I get how that fits into my poetry. So there's, there's a very strange element to my writing that, um, you know, perhaps somebody who has much more of a, a Jungian understanding or a, a deep understanding of these symbols will, will be able to interpret it even before I have fully understood these things. So it's, uh, it makes it interesting. It's, it certainly makes things interesting. Yeah. The writing process is, is just interesting in general because there it's not it's not like it's done you know if like you play a game or something right it's kind of in the moment right there you kind of get it done at work you know it's like doing this podcast like all right we're we're having this conversation and it's going to be over here soon and okay it is what it is 
but writing it's like this long drawn out of like every day is kind of like you're hitting a brick wall of like what am I doing or god am I really going to write that or am I going to release that who's going to read this you know all that mm. um, that resistance as, as Stephen Pressfield talks about it's just it's really interesting of the writing process how long did the what was the start to finish timeline how long did it take it actually the poet on the sage came i i think it came through in about six months i had finished the entire writing process mm. for it. okay um now for me look i'm not trying to put together uh you know 400 page novels that sort of thing and for me poetry is extremely easy to write I, I have no problem with the writing process because uh you know as an artist and as a poet i get out of the way it's naturally what i am now if i wasn't a poet then it would be difficult but you know seeing as this is the natural flow of my writing mm-hmm it makes most sense to me. And, and, it, but, but the big resistance for me does come at the point where I've had many of those moments where you, you start to write something, you think, wow, okay. You know, am I really going to release this? <laughs> this? Sorry. This is, it's weird. You know, it's, 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 it's strange. And, you know, do I really want people to read this? And so there's a real vulnerability there. Um, and you have to, you know, you have to be willing to share the fullness of yourself with people um, and so that's, that's my biggest resistance, I would say, you know, and the book's out now. That's right. Yeah. Where can, they, where can folks yeah. find it? If they were, if they were looking for so it. So if they head over to, uh, the Now I've been extremely slack with getting it on Amazon. Um, so, uh, you know, although we have the ability at the moment, uh, we just haven't got it up there, but if people want to go to the and just head to the store section of the website, uh, they, so there they'll find uh, a whole bunch of stuff, including the Walled Garden podcast. They'll find uh, the community that I'm setting up with Sharon LaBelle and Kai Whiting. Uh, but yeah, as, as I said, they'll also find the poet and the sage there. Yeah. Well, so let me, uh, let me ask you this. If, and, I, and I'm going to pin you to one, you know, which is okay. always tough to do. But if someone's out there listening in, they're getting started. They need kind of a, a kick in the pants or maybe just if they need some motivation, whatever it is. Is there one piece of advice, insight? Maybe it's something from the the philosophy um, to rally, to really. I, I like to say you put on a post-it note, you're sticking on your computer, you're looking at it every day. Is there one thing that really kind of gets you up, gets you excited, kind of keeps you moving forward that you'd share with with everyone else? Mm. Just get started. You know, I think um, I'm going to share something that. I often will do if I find that the complexity or the chaos of my life is getting a little bit too much and is keeping me from making productive forward action and movement in my life. Because I think that so much of the time, um, perhaps the problem isn't that people uh, can't get started. It's, It's that when they look around their lives, there's so much to take care of. There's so many things going on at once that mm-hmm. uh, it, it it's it's too chaotic. You know, you have a hard time figuring out, well, okay, what's the most appropriate step forward? So whether it's, you know, that sticky note, like you say, on, on, on your desk that says, you know, do this, uh, or, or whether you're just finding that um, 
you're struggling to consider what would be the first step, I would say to people, get a pen and paper out and take a look at your life and, and think, well, there's two things you could do here. Take a look at your life and think, what are all of the things that I know are kind of uh, getting a little bit too chaotic? Or what are all of the things that I know that I haven't taken care of yet that I need to take care of? What are the things that I know are bugging me about my life at the moment that I wish I could uh, move beyond? And just write a list of every single one of those things. You know, for me, a couple of weeks ago, I started to notice that there are a lot of things that I still hadn't taken care of that I need to do. And that's not good, especially, you know, because I'm studying a master's at the moment and I'm doing mentoring and I'm doing a podcast and starting a community and releasing a book and all these things. When you're doing so many things, you cannot afford for all these things to be falling apart around you. And so I wrote a list and said, okay, what do I need to do? And once you have that list, just start ticking it off. Okay, today I'm fixing this problem. Tomorrow I'm fixing this problem and then I'm fixing this problem. But if people have got that sticky note there and the, it's like, you know, here's the goal, this is what I need to do. I would say to people, perhaps the reason why you're not actually getting started is because the thing that you think you need to get started is way too broad and way too mm. big. Yeah. <laughs> and so you see that and it's just like, oh gosh, I couldn't possibly do that today. Uh, so take that thing and again, get the piece of paper and break it down into as many tiny little pieces as you can and then start with one tiny little piece today and be satisfied and grateful that you have the opportunity to just do that one little piece and then just start chipping away, you know, those tiny little pieces every day. And like Zeno said, the philosopher, he said, you know, progress is made little by little, but there's no little thing in itself. So that's what I'd say if you're, if you're struggling to get started. Yeah, that's a great, that's a great point. And what I may add on top of it, what I found helpful, um, I'm not sure about yourself is even writing those things down, give yourself even more specificity, specificity. Yeah. By like writing a time, like, Hey, I'm going to do it at 3 PM hmm. because I've noticed, you know, sometimes we procrastinate and we like, Oh, I'm going to get that done. Oh, okay. I'll do it tomorrow. Day went by. I was busy. But if you write down, Hey, I'm going to do it at 3 PM. There's a good chance when three comes up, you're going to hold yourself more accountable to that. At least I found that personally for me, that's been helpful. Um, yeah. So yeah, just one thing might help folks. And, and can I, can I throw an added uh, piece in there, which is just to say that there's a reason why writing a list on a piece of paper, whether it is all of the chaotic things in your life that you need to fix right now, or whether it is, uh, you know, a list of steps that you might take to achieving a certain goal. If you've just got, if you've just got a goal and it's got all of these different pieces, right. Mm -hmm. But it, you, you can't hold that goal in your mind and at the same time be thinking about all of those different pieces. Cause you might, you might forget one piece or, you know, you're yeah. trying to be over here, but then you know that you have to do this and you it's a lot of cognitive energy that you have to waste but if you write it all down and you put it on a piece of paper, that takes it out of your head and makes it physical. And now it becomes one thing. It's like, here's the goal, this piece yeah. of paper. Yeah. <laughs> this is the one it's real. thing. It's more real. It makes it so much easier to follow, um, which is exactly why that I believe that they did studies, uh, some scientists did some studies and showed that if, if before you go to bed, if you will write a list of everything you need to get done the, the following day, mm -hmm 
then you're going to get better sleep because your mind no longer has to be going through, oh, I have to do this tomorrow. I have to do, no, 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 it's out. It's on a piece of paper. You don't have to worry about that anymore. It's become one thing and you've compartmentalized it and it's physical. Now you can drop all of that and you can sleep better. Yeah. <laughs> so um, it's the same principle. So, yeah. So I mean, this was a lot of fun, man. Um, we, we went, we went an hour here. Um, we might have to do another episode down the road. <laughs> yeah, man, definitely. For, for sure. It's been a pleasure. Yeah. Yeah. This is awesome. So the walledgarden.com anywhere else, any other social watering holes you hang out on that you'd like to mention social watering holes. I love that. That's <laughs> great. Um, yeah, look, we are on Facebook. Uh, we are on Instagram. There's not a lot happening there at the moment. And that's my fault because I really struggled to pull myself uh, onto, uh, social media platforms. I, um, it's, it's funny just quickly. Like I, I came out of the gym industry and I was crushing it in the gym industry as a gym manager and through social media, I was the king of social media, but then I started to, um, lose my soul <laughs> and started to notice I really don't want to spend so much time on social media. And then for a, a couple of years there, I just wasn't anywhere. So now I'm slowly pulling myself back out of that very cynical view of social media. I'm trying to do a little bit more out there, trying to reach people through those platforms. So maybe if somebody jumps on our pl platforms and uh, pokes me there, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll be a little bit better. I'll interact. Yeah. Well, that's good. Well, again, thanks for coming on. This was a lot of fun. I know we went deep down the philosophy rabbit hole. We could have probably went for hours on that even deeper. So uh, I appreciate the, the conversation for sure. No, it was a pleasure. It was a pleasure. And you're a great interviewer too. So thank you for, for your time and your insights. Hey everyone, just one more quick thing before you skip along in your day. You know, if you do enjoy this content or other things that I've put out or just enjoy learning more and trying to adapt your thinking uh, to become happier each and every day, there's a couple of things that you may benefit from. Um, if you go to my website, brianandreco.com forward slash subscribe, you can sign up for my newsletter that goes out once a week. And that's really a digest of a lot of information that I gather throughout the weeks, whether it's a new video that I think could be informative or a podcast that's been valuable to me, book that I might read, etc. Um, secondly, I blog three times a week, and these are more micro blogs, one to five minute reads, short digestible blogs that'll send right to your inbox on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday morning. So check that out on my website, brianandreco.com forward slash subscribe if you think it's something you might enjoy. I hope you all have a great day, a phenomenal week, and we'll talk to you soon. Take care. Bye.